At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And if we are going to do Made in America or Made the American Way, we're going to have to change the way that we look at that. There are plenty of things that, you know, we're going to be able to do in America. There are plenty of manufacturing things that we can do, but we've got to change the way that we currently do it. It's not going to be, you know, all physical hand assembly line like it was with the Model T. It's going to be mostly robots and a few people that are coders and a few people that are QA. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. Because that is how it works. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. Problem can only be solved when there is a kind of coalition. Once you are willing to stand up for yourself. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people. Once you recognize what your rights are. And each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people. This is the beginning. It is not the finale. And that's why we're here. And that's why we rally. And you can change the entire population of the world. Eight billion people. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever, forever. We've got to be that something that Arnold Tornby, the historian, refers to as a... You're wrong. Once you are willing to stand up for yourself, then others will show up. Also, what about no children dying? That's kind of nice. Kind of nice. Liberation. It's an internal thing. But their children were saved. And their children's children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can and do anyone it. Can and do it. Way. Adam, guess what? Yes. Right. We're recording. Ryan. Ryan, guess what? <laughs> what? We are in effect. <laughs> so what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you yeah, change, 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 change it? Welcome. To public access. Hi, Jeffrey. What's going on? Hey, welcome to the greatest show on earth. Yeah, right. I kind of feel like I, I had this thought yesterday that it was like everybody watched like the West Wing and freaked out and thought it was real. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. It was like we we expected him to be a real president, but he was just a reality host. You know what I mean? And I think that's what it was it was all a show so yay so what's on your mind i thought i would let you kick off the topics today all right so you know uh yesterday at noon eastern time um we solved you know racism sexism homophobia you know all these things right yeah no no and you know what i feel and I was thinking this. I feel like the guy that helped set up the party but doesn't get to go to it because I haven't heard anything. It, it feels like 
like the most ablest president ever. You know what I mean? And it, it's really on my mind. I'm trying to get past that because other people are real happy at the opportunities they have. I'm just not seeing any for me or my kind, you know? Right. You know, and that's, you know, and, and as we talked about, you know, well before the election, you know, what, what, what started yesterday? It was accountability day, yep. you know, granted, you know, you can only expect someone to get so much done in like eight hours, mm-hmm. you know, with most of it being, you know, celebratory type stuff and, and pomp and circumstance. Of course. You I'm know, happy, I'm happy for that, by the way. Mm-hmm. I like seeing all that traditional transition stuff. And it's, it's really, it's really funny to think that, you know, you have all, you had, you know, as many of the ex-presidents there as you could. I mean, obviously Carter couldn't be there for whatever reason, but, you know, Carter being a one-term president, you know, he still showed up, you know, for stuff, you know, and the only reason he wasn't there yesterday is because he couldn't be, you know, whether that's, he's he's old, right. He's old, frail illness, who knows, but awesome, but awesome and wonderful. And so, and so, you know, if there was any question about whether or not, you know, the, the, the previous president had any respect for the office whatsoever. Yeah, that should have been answered. I think he might have, I think there was a moment where he might have, when he was leaving, like walking out the doors and realizing he could never come back. I think he realized maybe in that moment, I don't know. I'm hope. I'm hopeful. I'm always hopeful about the guy. I'm always hopeful about Donald Trump. I don't. I can't imagine that there's somebody like an actual comic strip villain out there. Like I always thought those were like uh, hyperbole, like just characters. I never imagined that there would actually be a villain like Lex Luthor out there. You know. Well, you know that's the problem, though, is, is that. <laughs> we're used to comic book villains, you know, right. good guys win, bad guys lose. And, and, you know, when you have that narrative, so shaken up that, you know, mm-hmm. like the two biggest, the two biggest issues that any of us have is, is when we realize number one, maybe the bad guys aren't so aren't as bad as we thought they were like, right. you know, like I like to talk about the Joker, for example, mm-hmm. you know, was the Joker really a bad guy? Or was he someone just that got pushed to the brink, depending on the, you know. And then also, too, is when we realize that the monsters that do exist out there are far more terrifying than the ones we see in comic books. Yeah. And and those two those two things tend to be a shock to a person's reality because we're so used to these cliche little narratives mm-hmm. you know and and i'm not gonna say that donald trump was you know a hitler you know everybody wanted to make the comparison yeah i don't want to but to say that he was the worst president that this country has ever had that's accurate yeah yeah you could maybe make an argument for a couple others but i yeah. think i i he's at least the worst in modern history that's what I'm if saying. not the worst ever He has has to be the worst because he was the biggest, right? He got the most votes. And so, and there was the most people, the biggest problems. Uh, The problems Donald Trump 
attempted to avoid aren't as big as the ones that Zachary Taylor went or Andrew Johnson was dealing with. You know what I mean? They were smaller by population, so I just assume they were smaller in nature. Maybe. Maybe. I would say that I would say that, you know, the transgressions were the most egregious, at least, you know, even since Nixon. Oh yeah. You know, you oh, yeah. you know. So it's real unfortunate that, you know, despite, you know, so many years of history that honestly, like as much as it pains me to say it, had Donald Trump's last two years been like his first two years, I don't think the election will look like this. Honestly, really? His first two years, I mean, objectively, yeah, I had problems with his policies, but, you know, people tend to vote more on economy. And his economy was going gangbusters. It really was. I mean, he kind of put nitrous glycerin into the motor. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not like he... Everybody says he built it. He didn't build it. He kind of added a turbo to it. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. and, but that's how, that's how America's supposed to be. We're supposed to build off of the last person, not tear it down and restart. We can't keep doing a reconstruction by executive order every four years. You know, and and really, like honestly, there needs to be something done to curb that because if if this is what we're going to see is executive order ping pong, mm-hmm. you know. Like I've said before, I don't think any one president should have that much power, period. Because yeah. because if, if this is what we're going to do is spend, you know, depending on how the elections go, four years fighting what the previous administration did. And then if they get elected to a second term, then try and do something. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the Republicans' downfall was. You know, when they controlled the House and the Senate and the presidency all at the same time for his first two years – rather than doing a lot of things that advanced their agenda, they were so focused on just trying to undo Obama that it managed to piss enough people off to flip the house. (laughs) Right. Well, I think, I think they honestly thought they had eight years. They had this plan, this 40 year plan. This was the culmination of it at all. And I think they had eight years. And then suddenly in 2018, they went, Oh shit, we only have two. And then he couldn't, by hook or crook, or you know, get anything done. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he passed one piece of legislation, right? The tax cut. Other than that, he didn't even put anything out on the floor to come out. You know. I'm beginning to think that we're never going to see that health care plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a health care plan. It's called COVID. Die, motherfucker, die. <laughs> I say I am a firm believer that other than abortion. The Republican agenda is basically depopulation by any means, you know? And so the rich the rich can survive what the poor cannot, and they just want to burn it out. And I can't say that's a bad plan. Yeah, except for the part where, you know, they need they need the poor in order to keep themselves on top. I mean, you think about it. Why when you look at their strategy, you know, I always laugh when they get all pissed off about China, China, China. Mm-hmm. They've shifted more of their shit over to China because why? They're even poorer yet. <laughs> right. And unfortunately, what they have failed to account for is, is that when you don't got much and suddenly you got a lot because of one of the world's largest economies, 
to kind of by virtue make them a powerhouse. And so all of a sudden, all of these things that we used to make in America get shifted over to China. China, after, you know, 40, 50 years of, of working with those people, they're now their own economic powerhouse. And we're going, oh, crap. Yeah. So they deserve to be. They've worked really hard at it, you know? And I, I know I'm, she has some horrible tendencies, you know? Like, I stand up for Hong Kong, and there's no comparison between the Hong Kong protests and the Capitol riot. And no. that's not a fair comparison, but that's what China's doing with what they did, you know? And yeah. So, like, I tell and people, I, like, we don't think we're in war with Russia, but Russia thinks we're in war on two fronts in Syria and Ukraine, you know? So they're saying, hey, we're we're victorious in our war against the United States. And we're like, what? What? We were fighting? So we got to realize that the world is bigger than just the what we've been told America is. You know what I mean? Right. You know, the the issues that we face as Americans is the fact that we've we've shifted away our responsibilities in a lot of, in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's the unfortunate part. You know, do I think that America needs to be, you know, the world police? Hell no, mm -mm. that's not our job, mm -mm. but you know, we still have to be able to show that we've got at least our shit handled. Oh, yeah, the nuclear triad and everything. And I'm a firm believer in cooperation. And so, like like I've always said, I think we should have a, 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 this hemisphere, this side of the planet, you know. I think we should have a force just for that, for the Americas, for South America, Central America, North America. We should be training together. We should be making this part of the planet better. And then if somebody on the other side of the planet needs something, we're ready. We can just go because we're all prepared and we, we're all trained in the same way. But it seems like this butt-fuddled mess when every, whenever we try and get together with other groups that aren't the UK or Australia or Germany, it seems like there's this difference and we need to get together on that stuff. I, I love the UN. Like I love NATO. I love the, the World Health Organization. I just don't think they're being handled because I think people's nature is to take possession of the power they can have in any position they have, you know? Yeah, exactly. And and the issue is, is you know, the issues at hand for us are is that you know, for example, we, you know, even just within our, our, our own front porch, you know, we have plenty of issues that need to be dealt with. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, even just across our southern, our southern border, you have the cartel and the corruption that has run rampant there. You have all of these different drug gangs from Nicaragua down to Colombia. Venezuela is, a, is it's, you know, Venezuela is a problem to itself, <laughs> not to anybody else at this right. point. You know, it's Venezuela is not a problem to anybody else. Um, in, in terms of, you know, whether, you know, military or anything like that, it's a problem for its neighbors because, yeah. you know, people are escaping Venezuela. And in which case, you know, I think it's for, it, I think it's for its neighbors to handle more so than it is for us. But at the same time, sure. you know, if, if we did have some type of cooperative agreement, you know, with our hemisphere, mm -hmm. you know, like we could be helping all of these other countries, you know, treat all of these Venezuelans that are mass exiting the country. 
or at least explain to them how to do it better, put an infrastructure, a policy in place, help them design a plan. And then if if we realize as a as a group that, whoa, we need to assist them, then we can do that. But more in a co-op, like a NATO for this side of the country. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, and even in this case, it's not, it's not even that you need like a NATO. It's just really that you need a a strong humanitarian presence for those coming out of Venezuela because, right. because the you know, reality is, is that <clears throat> could we go in and invade Venezuela and take the country over within, you know, 72 hours? Sure. Yeah. Would it be worth it for us? No. No, because Russia you know, would get involved because Russia got involved last time we tried getting involved. In, Russia in would get involved. China would get involved. And, yeah. you know, all you can do is showcase that, yeah, all these other countries are, you know, literally just helping hold on to power mm-hmm. and they're not really improving anything else. You know, yeah. you can only you can only have a country that's run by a military force for so long because when you run out of people to crush with your military and they're not making anything for you that's a problem yeah yeah no i totally agree because my philosophy is if you don't like where you live just start walking you know what i mean and in venezuela they're actually doing that yeah and they've been doing that by the millions and unfortunately that's that's put a lot of pressure on the countries around them Mm -hmm. and you know and that's where you know that's where if we invested in our neighbors, you know, kind of like the way that we invested in West Germany and in Japan right. in, you know, the post world war two era, you know, look at what those two countries have become, you know? Right. Yes. Yes. You know, it's, it's not, it's not that it, it worked. It worked fantastically. And if we were to actually spend that kind of time investing in our neighbors, heck yeah. I think I think there would be some some fantastic things that we could do, like yeah. including things like you know, for example, saving the rainforest, saving the Amazon, um, and helping other countries, you know, with their livestock and agriculture systems, so that way you're not tearing down parts of the planet like that. Yeah. Um, you know, everything from. You know, there's a significant population in the Southern Hemisphere that we could be working with in order to have things, you know, made by, you know, non-communist countries or whatever, how you have you. Yeah, because the communists, the Nazis before them, they all invested in South America. We just never really have. We've kind of gone over there and tried to, like, stick our thumb in and walk away, like overturn somebody and then let them decide who the next crazy fucker is. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's kind of been our mo for a while. Is like we just go in there waving our dicks, you know, get the get the main guy out, and then we're like, ah, oh, this will be fine. Narrator voice, but it wasn't fine. But it wasn't no, and I, that's always been my philosophy with Mexico and I, Cuba is the same way. Why aren't we investing more in these areas that are closer to home? To just our American influence is big enough. I mean, simply what I always say is like you take something small like el salvador and you the people are all migrating here because the country sucks so once all the people move here in mexico then you go and clean out el salvador and you start putting in like 
I don't know, a Ford manufacturing plant or a solar panel plant and a McDonald's. And you start Americanizing these people because now they're in America learning how to be American. And then you send them back and they want American stuff. And if it's there, if we're helping them to get it, then suddenly they're like a little America. And it just, it's so much more easier and relatable for us to go there and come back. And well, maybe, it's, maybe it's a stronger state department. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and as we've talked about, it's like, you know, you don't, you don't fix the migration issue by trying to build a wall and all of these other elements that keep people out. Like they're coming here because where they're coming from is an absolute mess to them. Mm -hmm. And they're, they see no other option but to escape. So you can either, you know, bring a bunch of people in and we don't have quite the same means. I mean, I could make the argument that if we ever decided to do made in America again and having a significant population come in and, and work in factories here would be absolutely beneficial. But once again, you know, we've got to do it by an American standard. You you can't have the sweatshops of old. No. And, you know, unfortunately I think this is, this is the one place where I think a $15 minimum wage would come back to bite us in the ass uh in that regard i could i say could i don't think it would i think that there's enough people out there that would uh they would just not want to invest in that knowing that they would have to pay a bunch of migrants 15 dollars an hour which look all i can say is the amount of produce we've had rotting in the fields should tell you that you know the issue isn't the 15 dollar an hour minimum wage <laughs> Right. And I, I, there's a, there's an organic way to do that with unions. You know what I mean? And exactly. And the union fights for the level up. It's just, we've knocked unions out because, well, why does a forklift driver get paid $40 an hour? You know? But the other thing is, is like, we only empathize when we're directly affected by it. So when yeah. we're the forklift driver, we're like, why am I not making 50 bucks an hour? And when we go to El Salvador, we're like, oh, fuck, what the fuck? I got to fix this. You know what I mean? And I just try and tell people that if you plan your next step, then, then you're going to step, you're not going to step in shit. You know what I mean? And we're always mm-hmm. thinking about today and yesterday, what happened yesterday that we can fix today when it should be, what should we fix tomorrow so that we don't have to fix it today? You know, we should exactly. plan plan for tomorrow instead of like freaking out today. And I think we're getting back to that. I heard a brief mention about Joe Biden's plan and a lot of it was American made again. And I'm really, mm-hmm. I like that idea. I'd like to mm-hmm. see it. I don't know how they're going to do that. I don't know how they're going to do that with Carrier in Mexico and Harley Davidson in Taiwan and uh, Apple over in China. You know, we we spent so long getting rid of the manufacturing portion of this and the customer service portion of this that I don't know if we even know how to make stuff anymore in America. I think I think what you're going to see is a very highly technical work crew like it's going to be very heavily automated you know with with a small physical presence and honestly like 
great because if Americans are making these robotic pieces, these automation pieces, they're coding these things mm -hmm. and you're hiring Americans to oversee the physical inspection, the physical movement of these things, the, the coding, the everything, you know, great, fantastic. Right. You know, part of the issue that we had, you know, in, in shifting all of this stuff over was, is that people get tired and we definitely did not have the technology for the kind of machines that we currently have. Right. You know, now, pfft, oh man, the, the technology we have is fantastic and you meet, need a minimal physical presence. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, and I think that's fantastic because there was no reason there was no good reason that Detroit couldn't have been the electric motor city. I totally agree with that. It seems there, like we went from making things that could make people work harder to making things suddenly that made people work less. I mean, automation, you know, the thing about automation and, and robotics and all of that is, is that humans get tired and they err a lot easily and we're a lot more easily. And we're yeah. so used to the idea that, oh yeah, no, we, you know, well, the machine messed up, so clearly this is a problem. Meanwhile, the human messing up like 10 times, 15, 20 times more than the machine. And we're like, oh, that's just human error. Right. When the reality is, is that you could have these automated factories working around the clock and have three different shifts. You know, you're not necessarily stuck with this whole idea of, you know, you have to employ three massive shifts of people that, you know, you're going to watch their productivity start to decrease after. Mm. And honestly, I, you know, looking at some of these models, I honestly think that there's an argument for going to a six hour work day. Yeah. You know, especially in a manufacturing setting, because, you know, number one, then you got four shifts of people that are highly productive, you know, especially if you're looking at an automation setting, because then, you know, you, you're not going to have that issue of people wearing down the same way that they do after eight hours or 10 hours or 12 hours. Mm. And I think it's, I think it would speak to a, you know, the American quality that we, you know, once touted so long ago, you know, I think it would lead to a healthier work product, a healthier work balance life. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people are starting to see that, okay, well, you know, we had this idea of you have to commute and you have to go into this, you know, workspace and you have to, you have to, you have to. Mm -hmm. COVID said, mm, you've got this technology. No, you don't. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, oh, no, I don't. So what else don't I have to do? Mm -hmm. And if we, and if we look at what is out there technology wise available to us, and if we sit down and decide that we're not going to do as much as I hate to quote Henry Ford, because he was such an anti-Semitic piece of shit, you know, broken clocks right twice a day. Mm. If you do the same thing you've always done, you're going to get the same thing you've always gotten. And that's, and that's the truth. If we keep doing the same thing that we've always done, we're going to keep bitching about the same problems we keep getting unless we sit down and go, you know what, maybe there's a different way that we can do this and that's better. You work from home, you know, for people who, you know, were commuting two, three, four hours a day, suddenly changed their level of productivity. They're like, wow, you know, so much so that, you know, places like Google, Microsoft, uh, Amazon are going to continue their work from home policy post COVID because 
you we saw that you could actually get more out of people you could get more done out of people with fewer distractions fewer much less overhead sure so why not look at you know what else you could do you know when you look at some of the the technologies that we're currently shipping overseas you know why are we shipping them overseas you know right now the issue is is that the the hand labor to produce some of this stuff is just stupid cheap coming out of china and unfortunately mm-hmm. we know why that is right so the question is is why are we going you know why are we going to continue that is there a way that we can actually do this better over here you know and not have this whole issue of the the quote unquote china quality where it's mass produced and mo- you know you know, mostly okay, but quite a few defects, you know, it's. Yeah. If you, if you don't want to worry about lead paint once in a while or some other toxin coming in, cause it's okay there, but not here, you know? Right. You know, it's, if, if, if you really truly want things made in America, you know, there's, there's gotta be some willingness to sit down and say, okay, we're going to do this not the way that you've seen before. It's going to be different, hmm. but it's going to be here. It's going to hire people here. It's going to be effective here. That changes. The two things that need to change for that are the regulations of creation and our education of our population. And those things are like 10 years out. Like we can't even... We can't even think about what you're doing until we have an educated force, and we would need to change our education system from teaching history to teaching coding and uh, jobs, you know, like more... Having kids, honestly, having kids, honestly, they've already started making those changes. Yeah, we just need to get there. We need to do that, make it a curriculum, you know, make that more of a presence than, say... I don't know, consumer math or the basics that they're learning in grade. I can't remember what I learned in grade school. Read this stupid book, but it should be more like, hey, start writing this in code. You know what I mean? Well, that, and that was, you know, one of the, you know, they started doing that in grade school, like with our kids, you know, like, yeah. for example, they, it was like a little game where you actually had to learn how to type out the line of code in order to get them to move towards the, the finish line. And so, you know, I think that if if they were to actually, you know, have a more formalized program, yes. Mm-hmm. But also too, you know, like that, you know, it's I see the education system shifting more like to like a German style where, you know, you have your K through 12 essentially and then you go on to the trades or you have like essentially it's a K through 13 and then you go on to university. Okay. You know, and and the you know and there you don't have the same issue of you know this blue collar versus white collar it's you know everybody's got a collar <laughs> yeah just like in india a name means your social status you know what i mean exactly you know and and that's one of the things that people here are going to have to get over you know is the whole idea that somehow some level of work is beneath a person it's like like i've said before if you want to know what chaos looks like Suddenly stop stocking grocery shelves for a week and watch Mm -hmm. what happens. Yeah. You know, that's, that's insane. I just had a thought and it just, it just, Ah. I lost it. 
man, what, that was good. Yes, I, I totally agree that we need to. We need we what well, that here's what it was. We need to get people interested in learning again. You know, like that education is important. That every year you should learn something that'll benefit your life in twenty years when you're young. And I, what really bugs me is education that isn't free. That people hoard education because they don't realize that that creates the divide in the poverty. Poverty. The initial step to breaking someone out of poverty and helping them do it for themselves is teaching them so that they learn. And it bugs me that some poor kid in Detroit isn't learning about string theory because he can't afford to, and it's not in his curriculum, and he doesn't know it exists, but he could be the next Einstein or, you know, the next Malcolm X, or, and they're not getting the information. Look, I think the, the, the inspirations that we've lost just over the 400,000 COVID deaths, the people that we lost, the future Martin Luther Kings, or, you know, it really makes me sad. And to think about the fact that kids don't even know that what they, what they're good at, what they're, what they're born for, because somebody's telling them they have to pay $5,000 and to, to learn, you know what I mean? And I don't want to spend $5,000 to learn. I don't want to spend $5,000 for my kid to learn. I would love if he was exposed to it and then decided this is, man, this is it. I am a horn player. I love playing the horn. I'm so good at it. And I think we need to spend more time trying to figure out where these kids go, which path they need to be on instead of making five paths and fitting kids into it. Because mm -hmm. you're trying to make a doctor out of a musician and it's not working. Your kid isn't mm -hmm. that, you know what I mean? And but we're, we're trying to make we're trying to make university scholars out of somebody who wants to work with their hands. Exactly. When he would be so much happier and so much more productive in America if we knew what he wanted. And you that's know? and I think, you know, that's been part of the problem is, is that as we've shifted things overseas, we have limited those things. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the manufacturing industry in this country isn't what it once was. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so, you know the issue has become what's the point in teaching that right when you know that's not a job that many people are going to have or could have not right. not that would want to have just could have mm -hmm. I, so, I made a good living off of being a forklift driver and a clamp truck driver and printing press operator and parts delivery i made a good living after high school just on the industry and yeah, but we can't pretend that that's going to come back, you know, because if we don't have smart people to design these fans and these solar panels, then there's nobody that's going to build them. Like, MAGA is so anti-science, but I keep saying, as we said it last week, without science, you don't have a job, you know? Right. You know, you think about all of the, all the things that, you know, they could be producing. It's going to leverage scientific thought and theory. Right. Like, for example, you know, where they were looking at how to make solar cells more efficient and somehow they were testing out like uh, the, I think it was the, the stuff that makes, you know, hot peppers, hot capsaicin. Mm -hmm. And somehow it managed to improve solar efficiency. It's like capsaicin of all things. Yeah. No, that's it's, amazing. It's like, you know, this stuff isn't just necessarily happenstance. It's, right. you know, there are people out there going, well, you know, 
you know, these chemicals that do X, Y, and Z. So why not, you know, see if it excites the same level of electrical generation and sure enough, it does, yeah. but guess what? You know, the problem, you know, the problem that I can see, you know, what has scared, you know, that particular group of the population is, is that, you know, what is the point in advancing technology if it's not going to be built here, you know, that. or if it's going to take our jobs. Exactly. You know, the thing is, is that, you know, whether you're, you know, whether you're building coal fire plants or wind turbines or solar panels, you know, the reality is, is, is that, you know, when it comes to the electrical system, you know, there should be a, enough training out there. Yeah. You know, you're, you're only going to be able to dig so much coal before, <laughs> you know, right. it starts to go, you know, before it starts to change. You know, I saw, uh, I saw an argument yesterday, you know, in one of the subreddits and, you know, it was just a meltdown fest and, you know, they're like, I can't believe all this stuff shifting to China, you know, and, and all of these other things. And, you know, we're already losing power here because we're not burning enough coal. And, you know, I'm like, really, you think that's why you're losing power in California? Not the fact that, you know, PG&E is literally operating on such old equipment that it keeps starting their stuff on fire. Right. You know, look, we, you know, Campbell County, Wyoming supplies pretty much most of the world's coal. Burning coal is not the problem in terms of electrical generation. It's that the infrastructure is literally falling apart. <laughs> well, totally, totally. And coal is like, did you ever play that, that game SimCity? Oh, yeah. And you start with a coal plant. But you don't stay with the coal plant, you know what I mean? It just it starts changing everything else in the game, and I don't know. Come on, well, imagine, coal. imagine. But here, here's, but here's, but here's where I, I say that, you know, the fear that they feel is real, and we have done a shit job of addressing it. Totally, we haven't planned if, ahead, so we've fallen behind. If 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 we are going to shift away from fossil fuel energies, which we will. You know, it's a matter of time simply mm -hmm. because it's the technology is there. It's a lot easier. To, it's it's easier to do than it once was. Yeah. You know, the fear that they feel is, well, this is my job. What am I going to do after? And that's, you know, that's a that's a very valid fear. Yeah, it is. And that's not and, a scientist's job to fix, though. Like scientists oh. and workers, they're on the same side of it. There is no, there is no side of it. Like politicians say, you know, it, it's not blue or red. No, it isn't. You're a politician. I'm an American. You know, either we cooperate or we're going to fight. But you're the same thing. Joe Biden and Donald Trump are politicians. They're they're not red and blue. They might be a division in politicians, but not in Americans. We still want the same shit, whether it's Donald Trump or Joe Biden, you know? Right. You know, and, and that's the thing is, is that if you have a, a president that actually sits down and, and says, hey, you know, we're going to focus on this transition, but we can't leave these workers behind. Right. How do we bring them into the fold on these new things? There's always going to be people who struggle in in coming into the new fold, but there's yeah. so many so many skills that translate over. You know, like for example, you're you know you're still going to need crane operators. You're still going to need trucking. You're still going to need yeah. 
you're still going to need technicians of various sorts. It's just that, you know, the things that you're going to be working on are vastly different. Yeah, right. some of it's going to require computer knowledge. Some of it's going to be good old turn and burn hand power. Sure. And we're you still going to need handyman. We're still going to need iron workers. We're still going to need plumbers. We're still going to need delivery drivers. We're still going to need people to, to stock shelves and be in stores. We're still going to need all that. You're not going to be, you might be not be manu, you're not be digging coal, but do you want to dig coal when you could have a better job in a UBI, you know? So, or, you know, maybe, you know, because because some of these things are still going to require fossil fuels in order to produce. It's just that instead of digging coal to go into a coal fire plant, you're digging coal so that way it can be gasified, liquefied, and then turned into the petroleum products needed in order to, you know, create these things. It's like, yeah, you're not literally just burning it off into the environment. You're literally turning it into a physical product that sticks around. And why not? Hey, why not? If you used to build cars and you know there's no plant in Ohio anymore, why don't you go be a farm worker for a while? You know what I mean? Because well, you don't want immigrants in our in our country anyway. Why not take their jobs? <laughs> I know the answer to this one. <laughs> that I mean, job we, sucks. <laughs> yeah. Having worked on, having grown up on the farm, that work is hard. Yeah, and, I know it is. I know it is. And they do it, you know? Oh, man. You know, even, even you know, living in Sydney, Montana and watching the, the immigrant population go through and manually weed beet fields, I'm like, yeah, nope. No. And I watched that show Warrior that Adam is obsessed with, you know? And mm -hmm. I what I noticed was that we really did ship in immigrants use them, kill them, throw them aside when they started wanting more than we were willing to give to get more immigrants that would work for cheaper and pit them against the last immigrants. And it kept going. It, the Chinese and the Irish, the black and the, the Italian. And we did that all the way up to the ladder. And the problem is now there's nobody left to take advantage of. You know, mm -hmm. China is, is doing that. Like, China yeah, they're doing it by force. Right. <laughs> There's no negotiation. <laughs> right. But the Chinese built our railroad. Uh, black people built our infrastructure. <laughs> like, it, you know, like the Italians, the Polish, the, the Irish, they built the dams in the fucking Empire State Building. Do you know how many dead Irishmen are in the Hoover Dam? It's it's crazy, you mm. know. And they, we we survive on the backs of people that busted their asses. And when we ran out of people to take advantage of, we were like, what do we do now? Because nobody wants to work. Nobody wants to do those jobs. You get a job. Get a job building bridges. Get a job building roads. We always need all that stuff. You know what I mean? But well, we and the thing is, is like we need to be able to actually fund it and build it. And currently, yeah. you know, by shipping all of this stuff outside overseas – it's like all of that tax money that could be used to build all this infrastructure is just yeah. not going into place. Yeah, you know, no, it isn't. You look at you look at some of the things that they are doing that around the world and scientifically, like for example, solar roads. Like that's have you seen some of those? Yes, those are wild cool? and crazy. It just charges your car as you go. Yeah, and, and it's producing power as as it sits there in the sun. Can you imagine like solar roads in the in places like Arizona? Right. 
And that's that there's jobs there. There's jobs there. It's not just a solar panel maker. It's the guy that has to dig out the trench to put the solar panels in, you know? Yeah, it's it's the engineers, it's the mm-hmm. the actual hand workers, it's it, it's the it's the people that have to come in and put in all the wiring. It's the people who have to, we need everything from, you know, physical labor to, you know, highly technical and advanced citizenry that are going to be able to be like, yep. Okay. That section of road stopped working. We're going to just lift it out and drop a new piece in. It's the manufacturing that you're going to need to to build those roads. Mm -hmm. And that's so, I think it comes to the education system. We need to constantly keep people educated so that they all end up in the jobs that they're meant to be in, you know? We need to introduce electric uh, electricity to young people. And if they're not that, maybe plumbing. And if not that, maybe engines. And if not that, maybe coding. And they can figure all this out in just a test. Like, That's the thing is, is like I grew up with that though. Like me too. I grew up with I grew up with you know classes on elect on electrical and classes on plumbing, uh, classes on concrete work. Taught me, you know. <laughs> I had classes I had classes on on everything from from uh, agriculture to electrical to engines, you know, there's these these curriculums have gone by the wayside as some yeah. of these things have been shifted out of our country, mm-hmm. you know, and having grown up in that and having been a part of, you know, things like FFA, like that connection to our our physical side of things within this realm, not just even, you know, even even in the agricultural realm now there's coding. You know, of course. You think about it, like my my parents now have a GPS guided combine. Yes, but they still have to get the food out of the field somehow. Exactly. So it takes all of us, not just one of us, right? Exactly. A, a scientist doesn't eliminate ten job, jobs; he keeps ten jobs going. You know, he makes or makes ten jobs more efficient. You know. Right. So you're not breaking your back. So you're not in that coal mine, like breathing in. You might not be breaking, or you might still be (coughs) breaking your back. But now instead of walking out with a grocery cart full of things, now you're walking out with a grain truck full of things, you know? Yeah, the the bricklayer truck. Whoever invented that, who could put pallets of bricks up on the next level and the next level. Yeah, do you know how much labor that just saved, you know? And that's just a simple mechanical thing. Yeah, and that's the thing is, is like there are so many things that we could be doing, and we've shifted so much of you know that responsibility that responsibility overseas that yeah. if we were to actually do that in America, or even invest in our neighbors to the south and help them build the yes. the physical labor, you know, how have them be the physical labor side of things. Yes. Like you don't stop mass immigration by just putting up a wall to keep people out. You have mm-hmm. to actually create solutions that make them say, you know what? I want to stay here. Yes, a mini America. If you want to come to America, make <laughs> America down there. It only helps us. It only mm-hmm. helps us because their standard of of their standards are our standards. Our standards are their standards. We can buy and sell and trade and negotiate all that fun stuff on an even keel because they're America too, you know. And in a, and on a political level, I mean, you think about it, it's like, all right, you know, I got a plant that is going to, you know, produce, you know, a trillion a trillion dollars in in five years. It's like, all right, which country is going to have, you know, the best standards that we require? 
right. that we require. If we're going to outsource any sort of production, you know, then let's make it so that way it's like, all right, here's what our requirements are. You There's know, like over because two, you need to countries in the, on the planet. Yeah. You need, you know, from a business standpoint, you need a, you need a, a country that is stable, that has a stable government. You mm -hmm. need a population that is stable in terms of food supply. You need a country that is stable in terms of not being terrorized by whatever potential guerrilla factions are out there. Right. You need a country that is not completely, you know, been corrupted at every single level. I mean, it, yeah. let's be realistic. There's no such thing as zero corruption. Well, but like I said, if you're going to give me a dividend for taking a kickback, that's fine. You know what I mean? If, if you're going to, but don't make the world worse to it. Like don't create a negative for somebody else. But if it benefits us to get a, a wind turbine plant in Florida and you got a kickback for giving him that offer and you give part of that kickback as a dividend to all the people that you represent, there, there's corruption that helps people. And then there's corruption for greed. You know? I mean, and, and that's one of the things that, you know, we're going to have to realize in that working with our partners and in other countries within this hemisphere is, is that the level of corruption that is acceptable is different. And the visibility of that corruption is different. But we, and, can't, we can't snap our fingers. We're talking about things 10 years, 20 years in the future. But we have exactly. to start now to get there. Exactly. And you have to, you have to do it in such a way that whatever you're going to build there, they have to see the incentives to politically fix those issues. Right. You know, for example, like everybody talks about, you know, well, how do you deal with the cartel? Well, the answer is actually pretty easy. Number one, you start with legalization in places like the U S mm -hmm. because that hurts the cartel's business model. And then you come in with a stable, good paying job system that you need and yep. that takes people away from the cartel wait you mean i don't have to run around and terrorize you know villages and i can literally just make stuff get paid better and oh yeah my food supply is always going to be there yeah yeah i mean yeah. you, you it's, these problems are twofold and for for each of these countries i mean they're going to see the benefits of having maybe some of these, you know, stable pieces. Like I'm not expecting the United States to going back to producing pistons for engines. <laughs> I am, I am expecting us to be able to have better supply lines and more stable supply lines and more stable relationships. I am expecting us to be able to, I'm expecting us to be able to work with other countries in a way that, you know, if we're going to make made in America, then that made in America is going to be in a much more stable realm than it currently is. You know, we, this whole back and forth with China and Russia and Iran and all of this, you know, especially, you know, especially with China and our manufacturing, this, this back and forth, thing that we've got going on there is an absolute mess and we saw that by just the actions of one president it threatened to make what manufacturing we had in this country a lot less yeah you know all you had to do was piss off china the right way and suddenly you know what does get made in america becomes a lot more difficult and yeah, our our soybeans are just being decimated because now Brazil is selling to China instead of us. Yeah, like 
I get why people want to want to believe that isolationism is, you know, the way that we're going to save ourselves. It's not. Mm-mm. Globalization it, is. And the question is, is when it comes to globalization, are you going to show that the American way is the better way? Or are you going to allow China to show that their way is the better way? Or Russia to show that their way is the better way? Right. Even among our allies. Germany makes amazing products. Right. And they also need amazing products. Exactly. We're not, we're not the only people just buying things, you know? Mm-hmm. And there might be things that we can make cheaper because of our resources. And that's the that's where globalization comes in. We'll we'll buy stuff from you, Canada, but you have to buy stuff from us too. And that's that's the trade war that Trump was in. The truth is, is like we buy a lot of milk from Canada, but then in return they are they're they're using our services. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so there's there's this trade-off to keep everything even to keep both manufacturers of milk happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And Donald Trump came into the middle of that and went, "No, us happy, you angry." And that doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't work when you're going against China, you know? Yeah, no, it does not work when you're going against China. It's like you want to say us happy, you unhappy. China's going to be like, "No, no, no, us happy, everybody else happy, you unhappy." Because yes. Because now China has all of this infrastructure in place that if they decided to give us the middle finger, they've literally got cheap stuff that they can, you know, put into other places in Asia, the African continent, as we're starting to see. Yeah, because they're building roads and people are like, thanks for the road. And China's like, no problem. And then a year later, China's like, remember that road we got you? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, now you're going to give us your mineral rights. I don't know if people understand that most of the wars we're in in the Middle East are for minerals. Not really like we're we're defending minerals. We're not really like saving people. And China is on the opposition. They're building infrastructure. That's why we used to build towns in places like Afghanistan is because, hey, we want that hill. You know, that hill is made out of titanium. We want that, and we'll build you a road for that. It was the same thing we did with the Indians here. We love your land. Can we have it? I'll give you this bead, you know? And we're doing that around the world, and China's doing it now, too. Mm-hmm. And and the, that's the question is, is how much how much are you willing to let, you know, another government go in and do these things? Right. <clears throat> you know? You know, you could have made in America and you can also have made the American way. And that is that second one is going to become very important because we don't have everything here. We are going to have to have other places, you know, do some things. Yeah. The question is, how do we do it the best way? And that's a great question. and, And that's and that's a that's a tough one to answer. Places like China and Russia will do it by force. We've done it by force. And as as seeing 20 years later in Afghanistan, you know, 18 years later in Iraq, you know, it's hearts and minds aren't won by bullets as much as we would like to think. No, but I honestly, like I, like I said, if, if I know what you know and you know what I know, suddenly we can understand each other. And mm-hmm. that's the thing. If you take somebody that doesn't know and we have the ability to explain it to them the right way, they're going to be on our side every time. Because 
it makes sense to not take advantage and kill people in slave labor to get done what we need to get done. And that's, and that's one of the things that people have to realize is just because we can get something done cheaper in another country that doesn't necessarily equate to us taking advantage of because, because, because sometimes, you know, that cheaper labor that we're paying is actually the living wage in that country. I agree with that, but I don't or, know if that's exactly fair. You know what I mean? But I don't well, know those I mean, country, I don't know those countries either. Like France and, might have a lower salary but higher taxes but more benefits. So I, I don't know. It's you know? it's and that's the thing is is that, you know, from a business perspective, I would say from a state department perspective, you know, we're gonna have to understand what that looks like a lot better than yeah. we currently do. Because guess what? We can make the claim all we want that yeah well we're doing that in china mm-hmm. slave labor is not a living wage no. working at gunpoint is not a living wage that's right and so you know those are things that we have to remember and guess what it's not like we're not doing that in our own ways we've got and our I'm... fucking military in places it shouldn't be and i just want to say the the people that are digging out diamonds in africa fuck you know what I mean? Uh, right. I'm sorry. That's just, it's, it just, it's part of that. Like the Uyghurs, you know, they're right. And it just, it, it just, and I'm sorry, the poor people in America, you know what I yeah. mean? Exactly. The coal, the coal miners, you know, the coal they, miners they, they, they just, yeah. We, there are a lot of things that we can do, but we've got to change the way that it's done. Okay. And I think that, you know, the, you know, the unfortunate pieces that have been COVID have brought about a shift in thought into how we can get things done. And if we are going to do Made in America or Made the American Way, we're going to have to change the way that we look at that. Hmm. There are plenty of things that, you know, we're going to be able to do in America. There are plenty of manufacturing things that we can do. But we've got to change the way that we currently do it. It's not going to be, you know, all physical hand assembly line like it was with the Model T. It's going to be mostly robots and a few people that are coders and a few people that are QA Hmm. and a few people that have to be in physical control of whatever element is there. I think there'll still be an assembly line, but it'll be more for like kites and gadgets. You know what I mean? Like kids toys, like other things, you know what I mean? It's like nothing goes away nothing we always re- we think we can do away with this and then we do it and we're like look at this is amazing but then we slowly incorporate what we lost back into it just in a new way that's like that's like uh for example the incandescent bulb you know you think about how many incandescent bulb factories we have and i think we've only got one now <laughs> but if if mit's research is correct by adding quartz over the filament of an incandescent bulb you actually create an, a bulb that is more efficient than LEDs. Isn't that cool? That's crazy. You know, yeah. just just by you know just by taking an old technology and changing it up a little bit, suddenly it's potentially more efficient than you know yeah. the newfangled technology. Fucking science. You know, <laughs> it's, exactly. You know, sometimes sometimes yeah, the old yeah. ways might have been best, but by tweaking the old way just a little bit, now you've created something that's even better. Yeah. And yes. and that's and 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 those are things that we're going to have to keep in mind is is that sometimes there's going to be a highly technical solution, sometimes there's not. That's right. You know, and 
as we change all of this, you know, you think about it, it's going to, it's going to be wild. It's going to be uncertain. It's going to be this, you know, wave, waves of hope and despair. It's going to be waves of, of we can do it. and No, we can't. And it's, you know, ultimately what we have to do is showcase that the way that we do it is going to be for the betterment of everybody, yeah. be it financially, be it quality of life. Yeah. Well, it used to be, I'll wrap up on this and then I'll give you a final thought. It used to be go to work, come back home. You know what I mean? You'll, you'll earn your living. You'll have your job till you retire, get the gold watch. And people stopped planning for the future. We have to realize that everything that begins ends and we should be in our, in our current positions, planning for another position, you know? And so, and the, the thing I wanted to end on was, Poor people leverage their future for shiny objects now, and rich people leverage their debt for a future later. You know, like rich people, they'll go into debt to buy something that'll increase in value, and poor people will go into debt to buy something that decreases in value. And we have to start realizing that the consumer-based economy is not for the poor population. It's for the richer population. And I would say that that's that is definitely part. Of, that's definitely accurate, and and why you've seen such a shift in the way that things are done. For example, you know, we used to think that the pension was the end all, the be all. The problem was is that the the pension was expensive for being certain, right. and you didn't get much out of it. Whereas, you know, by using the four hundred one k system and the IRA system you now are leveraging that a little bit differently and there's a little more risk involved with it. Yes. But what we've started to see is like that idea where the pension was, Oh yeah. When I finish with this company, I'm going to have this pension. And you've watched all of these companies die and all of those pensions die with them. Yeah. And so now you, you know, now you've seen that, that leverage of, yeah, I don't have the pension anymore, but and I have more uncertainty in my retirement. But in the end, I'm still making more in my retirement, and I'm not worried about it necessarily disappearing because one company's business practices sucked. Yeah, and honestly, we, nobody stays at one business for their entire life. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that like a McDonald's worker is is nothing. They're everything. Thank you for the food. And I'd really love it. I'm glad that you're able to get an income and I, I hope your minimum wage goes up to $15, but I think you should want to be something more just like the CEO of a company wants to be something different, you know, and without that education, without, without seeing your options, you don't believe you have any. I would, I would caution against that though, because is there anything wrong with, you know, seeing yourself as nothing more than a cook? No. And that's, then, and that's, and that's why one of those things is, is that, you know, if someone wants to just be the person that's smiling out in front of the cash register, handing people food, if someone wants to be the person that's, you know, flipping burgers, you mm-hmm. know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, the question is, is are we giving them the option and the tools to right. say, you know what? I want to do this for myself That's it. and see how that goes. Right. You know, let, you know, there, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing it for somebody else, but let's make sure that we're giving people the ability and the option 
to say, right. you know what, I'm going to try it myself and I'm going to yes. see if I can do it better. And that's all I'm saying is that the person that wants to work behind the register, we should give them a small business loan and see what, after they're done finding out that that's what they want to do, then we do everything for them. We get that guy that loves to cook like a food truck, you know, like we give them options to grow for the next people to come in. And it's the same thing with any, any, any job, you should want to be your supervisor. You should want to be your supervisor's supervisor. You should want to start your own business with your knowledge. And that's, that's kind of how I see it. That's the infusion of old and new to me. And, and for me, I don't necessarily see it that way. I see it as I want you to be able to become the supervisor if that's what you want to do. I want you to be able to become your supervisor's supervisor yeah, if that's right. what you want to do. But if you're if you are making your living doing something and that makes you happy mm -hmm. then we shouldn't be putting pressure on people to move onward and upward if that's you know we we've, we've had this whole promoted to the highest level of incompetence thing that that's, we've that's seen true. time and time again and let's stop pushing that narrative if if you right. are happy and competent where you are and you don't want to move great let's make sure that where you are is keeping you fed, keeping the lights on, yeah. keeping you satisfied. Fulfilling, you know, fulfilling your purpose. Exactly. Let's, you know, that, 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 that happiness and safety and security in your job needs to be tantamount. Right. Not, you know, for those of us who are driven to go onward and upward. Yeah. Let's, let's figure out how you can do that. Let's, let's find better ways to make that a, a possibility, but let's not, you know, let's, let's, let's kind of get that narrative out of, Oh, well, don't you want to be more than a, a grocery store shelf stalker? Mm. I don't know. I just, I, maybe I love education and learning so much that I just think that, well, I, I don't know. You got me it's, there. It's a it's a tough one because I I love education as well, and I, I as a researcher I love doing that stuff. But I also recognize and support that there are a lot of people that aren't like me, That's and true. and being able to say you know to ask are you safe and secure in your position and in what you want to do mm. is the difference. That's you true. Know, so like I look at I look at the way that Japan, you know, introduces themselves. You know, they'll introduce themselves as a part-time gas station attendant. Huh. You know, because they take pride in the fact that that's what their job is and that's what they want to do. I love having that job, by the way. So so if 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 there's a sense of pride in what you're doing regardless of whether you know we don't need to see it as small it's it if it's a job that exists that means it is essential but, but somebody just, needs it i'm just not quite sure how long the job will exist in its form so i think you need to prepare for something else but that if, that is an entirely different conversation and absolutely i i agree that we need to have all you know as as some things start to go away we need to have we need to have the infrastructure in place to say right i know you've taken pride in your job let's find you something that's very close to this and yeah. let's try and get you into that that's what i'm saying is you should always be you should always be offered your options i'll, I'll leave it at that you should always, exactly you should always, always have options. options i i will agree with that okay good i love you jeffrey thanks for being love here. you too Absolutely. Have fun at work. I'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>
And you can listen to Public Access America on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, Player FM, and all those. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific, and SoundCloud, by the way, as well as Twitter at Public Access Pod. Thanks for being here, everybody. I'll see you next week. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. Place. And I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me or nobody, is going to hit as hard as life. Ask not. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. I, poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Welcome to Public Access America. Yes, we can. Now on Instagram and SoundCloud. We wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. Apple Podcasts, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, Potable, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, 
we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.